guys, it's Mary Ashley, and before we get started with this week's episode, I want to invite you all to come hang out with us in real life. We're going to go see The Dating Project on April 17th in Burbank. All the details are up on our website, fishersofmenpodcast.com, and if you email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com, we might even be able to help you out with a free ticket. If you can't make it or you're not lucky enough to find yourself in the SoCal area, please go on Fandango and get your tickets and go see it without us. We both loved it. It made me cry the good kind of cathartic cry at least four separate times. So it's definitely a movie that I can recommend to anyone who is interested in dating. I think that you all will find a lot you can relate to and appreciate. If you do go see it, please write in and let us know what you think. All right, then let's get on with the show. It's appropriately enough about anxiety and depression, two things often triggered by dating. Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara Sands. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. to another episode of Fishers of Men. Today it is me, Laura Samara Sams, hosting you with two of our guests. My co-host, Mary Ashley Burton, is out of town this week. However, we have some special guests today. Dina Sams, who is also my mother-in-law <laughs> in the house. She's visiting from West Virginia. Uh, we're recording from my home studio in Glendale. And we also have my, one of my besties, Melody Mahalski, soon to be Laurel. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody is getting married in June. You put a ring on it. You put a ring on it. <laughs> so, excellent. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about what we were talking with uh, Christy Sams, my sister in law. Counseling runs in the family, um, <laughs> so that's pretty cool that I got married into that. But we are talking today about anxiety and depression, and I feel like, Mel, you said it best earlier before we hit record that it's kind of this like silent disease that mm. people don't really talk about, not too openly, and it affects our relationships. Mm-hmm. So I would love to kind of get into a little bit about that today. Does anyone want to start with either, Dina, do you want to start about like how to look up those signs and what, what to look for either in yourself or maybe a loved one? Sure. Um, most of, when we talk about depression, you know, people sometimes think, that, think that's just being sad, but um, it's more than that. It's a pervasive undertone of sadness, even in the midst of, of laughing or being happy for a minute. It's still this underneath piece of just feeling down all the time. It's something that it, when we talk about clinical depression, it doesn't usually include situational sadness. It might include just feeling down and hopeless about a lot of things. Does that explain it a little bit? Yeah, that that's great. I think that's a good summary of what we're talking about today. The reason why we had Melody guest again, because she was in my Red Flags episode maybe about <laughs> almost two years ago, oh, wow. is because I think everybody has gone through similar things where... You know, you could be, 
for people that know you, Mel, you're very exuberant and you emote with your entire body and you're just so full of joy and you just walk into a room and everybody is just so excited that you're there. That's true. But just knowing you and <laughs> you've been open about this, that there are obvious times when you just have this kind of hit, it something just hits you and you just kind of feel drained of all things. I mean, you're an introvert for one, but it happens to extroverts as well mm -hmm. as, as it has mm -hmm. happened to me. But I wanted you to be able to share your story as much as you would like about that because certainly you are probably at the top of the world now. Like mm -hmm. you just feel mm -hmm. like career-wise, romance-wise, mm -hmm. in your relationships, like top of the world, this is the best it's ever been. And yet, mm -hmm. there's still, at times, and in, and maybe there's times that it's more uh, obvious than others, where you do feel that kind of like underlining anxiety, maybe even you would call it depression. Yeah, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so there's a lot at play here, and I'm, I'm so like mal-prepared. I wish I would have just written down all of these things, but... I could talk for hours about this, so this is a shortened version, <laughs> but I, you know, tying this in with your podcast about it being, you know, dating and, and the Christian culture, I think that, like, first and foremost, I have really discovered in my relationship with my now fiancé, Anthony, that, like, honesty is so crucial just that candidness that like, this is all of my ugly, my imperfect, my broken. And I just want to emphasize on that because I think, especially in the Christian culture, when dating, it's so easy to want to show your good side. Right. And like, look, I'm like this great Christian person. Mm. And like, uh, this is the good parts of me. And, uh, but I think it's so crucial to just kind of show just all the dirt, right? So, can and I add to that? Yes, bit? please. When you um, anxiety and depression sometimes are, are we hold in secret. We don't want others to know exactly. that we feel that way. And I think all of those things, what you're saying, mm -hmm. and what I would would say to a lot of people is that if you you hold those in secret and in the dark mm -hmm. they hold a power over exactly us. when we when we bring them into the light mm -hmm. and shine truth onto them mm -hmm. it, they reduce um, that reduces their power over us and reduces some of the bondage that it has on us. you took the words out of my mouth <laughs> that was exactly where i was going with that <laughs> and if i drown baby i feel like Try to look up, but I look down Cause I know heaven can't help me now I'll be lost until I'm found I'm here crying out Will you save me from myself? Come save me from myself Will you save me from the thing is, what happens a lot of times, what I've seen in the past, is people date and they have a facade they're putting on. They're right. showing their best and then they get married and it's like, wait, who was this? Yeah. And I am so want to make sure I don't do that. Sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't grow up seeing the healthiest marriage in my household, which we will get into. But, you know, I wanted to just put it all out there and I also want to change. Yeah, break and that cycle. I want to break the cycle, and I know that whether it be with Anthony or with my friends mm -hmm. or anyone I encounter, 
and like I'm doing this now. Like this is I feel brave for talking about it because like you said, Law, people who just see me you know, at a get together or party or whatever, or at my job or something, they just see this exuberant life, lively, joyful melody. Right. But there is another side, just like with our, our greatest gifts and blessings, there is a negative side to that. You know, Mm -hmm. it it can be, what is it like your greatest blessing is also your greatest curse at times or something like that. Oh yeah. Well, when we talk about in like filmmaking or screenwriting, uh, storytelling, it's often a hero's character, a character that has his his best trait is also his yeah is also the source of his greatest weakness exactly right like your your immense capability to love for example for you melody it's also like your greatest downfall because when you're tied up in your relationship that kind of is the thing that drives you like when it's when it's a breakup for example you, mm-hmm. we both have gone through this mm-hmm. where it's just like it drives us to the ground mm-hmm. and we just don't know mm-hmm. how to function mm-hmm. and we put up this facade mm-hmm. and then that that's an extreme example there's of course every day there's the everyday cycle in like just just in your regular cycle of daily life like day-to-day things there are moments even in a day where like it's just a bad this is a bad 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It could be, this is a bad week or, mm-hmm. you know, um, sure. but of course there's the surface and then there's the deep. And we want to talk about more what is rooted in more of the, you know, rooted from childhood, rooted in what has become our core mm-hmm. self mm-hmm. and then recognizing those things and being able to deal with it in a healthy way. Yeah, to have, you know, a healthy relationship with yourself and with others and and be able to date in a healthy way and to date honestly. I just think that's so important because, yeah, if you don't deal, like, that is such a silent disease. And I hid that for years. I didn't really tell anyone about it. And it was just a struggle. But I'm trying to just talk about it more naturally Mm -hmm. and just be like, hey, this is a thing. And Mm -hmm. it's very healthy. It's just, yeah, it's very healthy because that's where the change starts is recognizing it, obviously, and talking about it. And and like you said, addressing it. So and a lot of that does start from, you know, like you're saying, how you the environment you grew up in. So definitely want to talk about that. Yeah. When you normalize something, when you've been hiding it for so long, Mm -hmm. it kind of takes away its power. Mm -hmm. So Dina, do you want to talk a little bit about that? How to, to, how to, we talked a little bit about finding the signs, but kind of breaking, breaking the cycle because it first starts with like realizing like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is a, this is something that's not normal. I mean, sorry, it is normal in the sense that a lot of people have this, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't be ha- be something that we just struggle with all the time. I mean, the struggle is real, hashtag struggle is real, but we can deal with it. There is ways, sure. there sure. are ways to healthily address it. Absolutely. Before you say what I think you're going to say, <laughs> we t- so Dina and I talked the other morning about this because I, I know she does counseling and I wanted to bring it up to her because I've been researching cognitive behavioral therapy and I wanted to pick her brain about it because someone suggested it to me because along with the bouts of sadness... I'm, I'm realizing just how anxious my mind is. Sure. Mm. It's so, so that's the big thing, right? And it's, Can you describe that? Like, what, what does that mean? Like, your mind is so anxious. What does that, how so, does that look? It looks like this. Strong <laughs> <laughs> picture. One thought that goes to another thought, that goes to another thought, that goes to another thought. And it's just this circular, anxiety-ridden thinking of just, like, your brain never stops thinking. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. And it physically... 
physically exhaust you, mm-hmm. especially with someone like me. I emote and I feel with everything right. in my whole body. So imagine that anxiety just like physically just it's embodied. It's, it's so exhausting. And I think that's a part like the anxiety and depression can go hand in hand because anxiety exhausts you so much to where you f- just feel dead and sure. depressed and you don't, mm-hmm. you, for me, my depression comes from the anxiety, I think, mm-hmm. because I feel so exhausted from that, that I just want to numb and be like apathetic and mm-hmm. just like par- I'm paralyzed from it. Sure. Right. They frequently go together. Exactly. So like I, I wanted you, the train thing you told mm-hmm. me was so helpful and I think that would be really useful for people to hear especially you know when you have those anxious thoughts uh well I always I often tell people that anxiety and depression are kissing cousins mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> they're kissing cousins they're so close mm-hmm. and they uh because I'll someone will come I'll have a client maybe come and say um they they're Depressed because they're anxious, or mm-hmm. they're anxious b- about being depressed. Mm-hmm. So um, those kind of things, it's it's pretty rare to see only one of those mm-hmm. without the other, mm-hmm. and sometimes one will be a little higher than the other. Um, but we were talking about the train, and that kind of goes with cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a very simple way that you can learn for yourself sometimes how to how to get out of some of those things. Mm-hmm. It's one of my tools. I was tell people it's like a mechanic has a toolbox and there are all these different tools you can use to get out of to fix particular things and it's that way in therapy um you know there's a whole toolbox of stuff that you might pull out and use Mm -hmm. techniques uh different types of therapy different models uh sometimes we pull out medication because it's what's needed Mm -hmm. at least in the at that time to get over the the bad mm-hmm. times. So sometimes you have to think about all of those things are available to us and we have to use different ones. You can't say, uh, well, I guess you can, but it's not really profitable to say, well, no, I, I don't want to use a wrench on this car. I'll only use a hammer. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you have to use different things. But when we were talking about the train, uh, it's kind of the, the pretty simplified model of cognitive behavioral therapy. If you could imagine three train cars having each one of them being our one of them being thought one of them being action one of them being feelings and when we look about which one is the the engine all most people will say it's their feelings Mm -hmm. which isn't a bad thing your feelings are valid and and they certainly are your feelings and it's not okay for somebody to say you shouldn't feel that way Mm -hmm. because feelings are who we are but they're not always a an accurate perception of what's going on around us sometimes we feel depressed and there's really no noticeable reason for us to feel depressed Mm -hmm. and it's just how we feel Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean or we may feel anxious because we think there's fear for fear anxiety is is fear Mm -hmm. and when we have fear that's supposed to be because of something but sometimes we feel anxiety and we don't there's no reason for it and so it's not an accurate perception necessarily of our environment, but it is how we feel. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we have to look at what's true mm-hmm. and change our belief system. Sometimes we feel based on our belief system and our core beliefs that were put in us early on in childhood and, and through experiences that have happened to us, even in, in young adulthood. Sometimes things happen and cause us to feel certain ways 
but they're not really valid in the current situation. But yeah, they're, they're not really accurate in the mm-hmm. current situation, but it's how we feel Yeah, because of things that have happened to us before. What we have to do sometimes is look at it in the light of truth yeah. and what's really true and change how we think mm-hmm. by putting our thinking in the, as the engine that drives mm-hmm. the train. And then sometimes we have to think and know what the right things are mm-hmm. and then act based on that. And then let the feelings be the caboose that follows along. Mm-hmm. So um, if you can imagine that train with three cars, it mm-hmm. kind of helps helps us fill that, mm-hmm. that uh, model out a little bit. It doesn't always, you know, of course we still operate on feelings sometimes. That's how we we run when something scares us or those. And that's okay, you know, because we're made to do that. But when you act that, when you uh, function based on your feelings all of the time, it's not a healthy state to live in. Yeah. And we were, remember we were kind of rearranging the cabooses too, right? Right. right. So there's like feeling, then thinking, then action or feeling action thinking or like impulse, right? Would be action feeling then thinking like oh wait what did I just do do? yes and for me I'm noticing lately it's been either the feeling first or the thinking first and then the thinking it just stays in that thinking 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 and you have it's it paralyzes you to keep it from acting yeah and then you used the the bible verse that I thought was so great the Philippians Philippians 4 talks about, we often hear this scripture being preached Mm -hmm. about being anxious and worry, because anxiety and worry are kind of the same thing. And when we talk about, I've heard this preached uh, in all of my life, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't worry, worry is a sin. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so helpful. Now we're mm-hmm. now we're also guilty. Mm-hmm. We feel guilty, so which increases the anxiety, and that's not helpful. What we have to do is think about this. Actually, this this chapter is such a great formula for what to do with anxiety, and it talks about being anxious, not being anxious, stop being anxious. So sometimes we have to kind of shake our head. I had a, one client who says. She kind of would slap herself in the head, which I'm not necessarily recommending. Mm-hmm. But there was some sort of like stop, mm-hmm. kind of a hard stop to mm-hmm. say, wait a minute, stop this. Mm-hmm. Stop what I'm thinking. And then what to do next is to be thankful. Mm-hmm. And I even uh, suggested one client was able to be thankful for the bad things that had happened because it was what part of what made her who she was. Yeah. Yeah. So um, sometimes we have to be thankful in hard situations because God's going to work through that. So anyway, that's the next part. And I was just going to look at this and, and start, start here if I can see it. <laughs> I'm a little older than the rest of the crowd here. <laughs> so um, it talks about in verse, um, it actually starts in verse 6, where it says, Paul says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart mm-hmm. and your mind in Christ Jesus. So that's our protection. Mm-hmm. If we can be thankful, he helps push back the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the part of this is really difficult is when you say, 
don't be anxious. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Don't think about this. Yeah, you know, it's a whole lot of don'ts. It's a whole <laughs> lot of don'ts. It is. And I, I, I mentioned to you the other day, and this is something my clients hear me say over and over, um, although they're new ones, that I say it to different people all the time. So I feel like I'm saying it over and over, but they're hearing it for mm-hmm. the first time sometimes. If I say, now, Melody, don't think about an apple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the only thing you're thinking about right then is an apple mm-hmm. because that's how we are. Yeah. It's the suggestion because it's like when we were at the at Universal yesterday and they said, don't reach out to the birds in the show. Well, I didn't think about reaching out to the birds in the but show until I said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't exactly. spit onto yeah. this car. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. So um, now you're just giving suggestions exactly, for people that exactly. behave badly. So if you say don't think about an apple, that's not helpful. But if I say don't think about an apple, think about an orange. So you can kind of displace the apple with an orange, mm-hmm. and hmm. that gives you something different. So with anxiety and and this obsessive thoughts that we have, we sometimes have to use something to displace it. Mm-hmm. So this scripture continues and mm-hmm. gives us something to displace it with. And sometimes we look at these as two separate passages, but I think they all go together. Yeah, it's meant um, to. Yeah, so uh, because the, the divisions that we put in are, weren't there in yeah, the original exactly. star mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, so after he says, God, the God of peace will be with you. Mm-hmm. So then um, it goes on and he says, finally, Brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. um, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, mm-hmm. whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. So you could you could think of all the things that make you happy, whatever's true and honorable, and what what gives you happy thoughts. It's kind of the scriptural version of go to your happy place. Mm-hmm. And you think about where you're at rest and where you're at peace and the things that make you thankful and the things that make you happy. Think about those things. And when you're in that place where the, the obsessive thoughts continue and the anxiety is, is getting higher as you go, because typically that circle, the anxiety gets a little higher with each round Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is where some people go into a complete panic attack Mm -hmm. because they can't stop thinking Mm -hmm. about what's happening you have to stop be thankful and then start thinking about these positive things that that god says And and it's interesting he doesn't say now think about this he gives us general ideas because it's going to be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. I had one. I had a lot of people tell me that sitting at the ocean is is where they can rest, and that's what they think about when they need to distract from those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Some people were sitting in the woods. Mm-hmm. I had one person tell me that they were at, they really felt good when they were at work because they loved their job, and when they were doing it and it was working well, that was where they got rest, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. That's yeah, cool because that's what people mostly yeah. want to escape. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I had one person tell me about her grandfather who had passed away, and mm-hmm. um, how she would she could imagine lying her, her just putting her head on his shoulder mm-hmm. and what it felt like. And what he smelled like, mm-hmm. and what his voice sounded like, and what he would say to her mm-hmm. in in love when she was in such anxiety, and how his his 
flannel shirt felt against her, her cheek. And so we did all those things to help distract her from the anxiety that was seemed to be overwhelming at the time mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, it really was. And so in this passage, when it continues, Paul says, whatever you've learned... So what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, because Paul's speaking to the church in Philippians, and he says, practice these things. So it's even like you have to practice this. Mm-hmm. You can't, it doesn't work every single time necessarily, but every time you do it, it gets better. Yeah. It's, it's like, like music practice. And when you practice, you get better at doing this. Yeah. And it becomes kind of the way of how you do it. Second nature. Yes. But you have to do it mm-hmm. and you have to practice it. And when you do that, then the God of peace will be with you. And peace will come if you do some of these things. Mm -hmm. The cool thing, if you continue on with this passage, you go down a little farther, and Paul is thanking the Philippians for what what they've sent to him. And he said, it's not so much that I needed it, but I want, because he says, I have learned that whether I have a lot or Mm -hmm. whether I have a little, Mm -hmm. I can be content. So he's saying, in whatever state you're in, even in the time when it's, there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry and a lot of reasons to be depressed, we can still be content because we have this model and this formula mm-hmm. for feeling better and for getting out of some of those, those bad places where we're in. And then this is one of the most, and the very next part of this is that the passage that's often misquoted or quoted out of context, let's say, mm-hmm. and probably the most quoted verse besides John 3.16 in the Bible, because this is the passage that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens mm-hmm. me. And it's not really talking about winning a race or getting through the day or, or uh, winning a contest or passing a test. It's about being able to be content in whatever state we're in. Mm-hmm. So whether it's anxiety or depression or whatever's going on, this is the formula for reducing that. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I love that. I'm swallowed by a sea of doubt. That's where I lost myself. Everyone knows me. go back then to what we were talking about how these patterns are first formed okay mm-hmm. and I know our conversation a couple days ago uh, Mel we were talking a lot about how 
growing up and, you know, being in a home where it was slightly dysfunctional because everybody kind of put on a facade and didn't really talk about their feelings. I was wondering if you would be comfortable sharing some of that with us, as I'm sure there are many people who have experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> this is another loaded one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's unpack it. Girl. <laughs> so uh so here's the thing. There's another little little beast of a thing to work through called codependency. Hmm. That I'm sure everyone's heard that word. And it's it's a loaded word. Yeah, let's um it used to be more so for me with men and relationships and going to them to have they were my everything. Yeah. <laughs> they were my safety. They did Lots for me. I just was completely dependent on them. It's not so much there now. Praise God it's not there now. I was actually just talking to Anthony at dinner last night and just saying, like, it's so crazy. I'm seeing so much of my codependency in other areas of my life. But with us, I do not... I do not feel that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so different than anything I've ever experienced, which is a huge milestone and huge growth. And that says a lot about him, too, and how we work together. Mm -hmm. But basically, I am realizing that it's just going to take a long time to get past my codependency. And a lot of that was, as you mentioned, how I grew up. So a lot of things can be, like, for instance, Mm people-pleasing, not having good boundaries with people, Mm -hmm. being constantly... Well, here, let me me rewind. So... (laughs) When I, when I, uh, in my household, yes, emotions were not talked about. Mm -hmm. Things were not talked about in general. And I'm a very, I emote, I'm big, I feel a lot. And so I felt like I had to always hide that. The only time emotions were out was when I was trying to sleep at night and I just heard my parents arguing a lot of nights and it would be hard to get to sleep because I would just hear arguing and yelling from the living room and it was just a normal thing and then we wake up in the morning and act like it never happened and I would I slowly started to get the role of being like the child in the family who made everything better right so so a lot of responsibility (laughs) and so I was I was always making sure I was cracking a joke to lighten the mood Uh, I always felt in between my parents, like, not knowing whose side to take. Like, I wonder who upset who or who was right. And um, always not knowing who to trust. Um, My And, by the way, I love my parents dearly. But this is just, you know, we all have our stuff. Yeah, of course. And so, for my dad, there was a lot of passive aggressiveness that went on in the home where... um, he wouldn't really tell us. I, well, I think he'd tell my mom, but also I think he was passive with her. But anyway, it was a lot of huffing, puffing, slamming things, rolling eyes, looks, or he would, would say one thing, but it would mean something else. And we were supposed to, we needed to know how to read in between the lines of what mm. he'd say this, but really he's upset about this. And mm. this is his roundabout, mm-hmm. passive, mm-hmm. aggressive way of telling us, right? So imagine growing up with that. And now I'm 28 and I'm still, I'm realizing that if I, if I have a friend or if I meet someone or if it's someone like a client or anyone in my life where I feel like I can't read what they're feeling or if I, like I will, 
this has always been a thing, but like, I will really overanalyze like the tone of their voice, the way they look at me, the way they say something. It could be the, I have learned how to pick up on the subtlest subtleties ever from anyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it produces so much anxiety because I never... Like, I have a hard time trusting what people tell me. Like, what do they, do, do they really mean that? Do they really believe that? Do, you know, what are they trying to get, you know? And most of the time they are, but yeah. you're reading it exactly. through the filter of what you were exactly. raised so to learn. That's where the main anxiety I'm realizing is coming from. And then it's also like the people pleasing, making sure that everyone is happy and okay, because that way I feel safe. Right? Because that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Mom, you're okay. Okay, Dad, you be nice and be okay. And you, everybody just... Then we're safe. Yeah. Then we're okay. Yeah. And so oh it, I'm very conflict... I'm getting tired hearing it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's very conflict avoidant mm-hmm. as well. Like, sure. I hate I hate approaching people and being like, hey, I feel hurt by this. Can we talk about it? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm confused by this. Can we talk about it? Hate it. <laughs> You're you know? so well now. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of growth has happened. So, so much growth. Of course. And so I'm, I'm really excited to get back into like, you know, I therapize with a few friends and, and I listen to audiobooks <laughs> and I'm like. That's a great word. Oh, it's the best. But like, you know, I'm like, get back into therapy because like, and and like, I'm so, just so grateful that I'm just talking about it a lot and I'm not mm-hmm. like, I, I really want to face it. And I'm realizing the more that I'm being sanctified in my, in my faith and my trust in God, I'm realizing how much I don't trust God, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, sure. and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like the, like every day I see it more and more and it's great. Like I get encouraged by it in a weird way. And I didn't used to feel that way. I used to just feel hopeless. So Anyway, that's kind of the backstory of that, uh, you know, your upbringing. That is really something for everyone to think about is like, okay, why do I, like, I'm always triggered when this happens or I always start to feel anxious or flustered or like need control or whatever and start to be like, wait, you know, I encourage everybody. I'm sure a lot of people have, but like, think about how you, this, the uh, environment you grew up in and how you were raised and, um, there's just, there's so much. That's just like a very small amount of that. But that's enough to kind of give some insight, I think, to yeah. that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm exhausted too. Jeez. <laughs> and this was happening as a child even. Yeah. Yeah. And that. Oh my goodness. Just forming pathways in your brain of, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to act. And then bringing that into relationships, whether it's romantic or just friend friendships even that must be so hard to break through mm-hmm. and just knowing you for like five years only it seems longer than that but you know oh, I've yeah. seen a lot of growth in you in those last five years mm-hmm. and and we're all still growing God willing sure mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. what amazing courage though for you to, yeah. to start addressing that because Actually, I believe we're the strongest strongest when we can recognize mm-hmm. where we need help. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amen. kind of a paradox. It is. You know, that, totally. that but Paul you says, can, yeah. It's kind of one of those paradoxes of the kingdom that when you recognize how weak you are in a certain place, that's when you begin to build strength mm-hmm. and can really fix some of those things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. allow God to work on them yeah. and other people as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, you mentioned codependency, and I want to I want to bring up this that mm-hmm. codependency implies someone else is also unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes. you know it's kind of hard to be codependent 
by yourself mm -hmm. because the word doesn't even mean anything by right. itself. Right. Mm -hmm. Because co implies there's Together. somebody else yeah. who's dependent. Mm -hmm. But that was obviously instilled in you from childhood mm -hmm. because you were that codependent kind of thing. And that's what we often see in children of of alcoholics, for mm -hmm. instance. Now, mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like that's what was going on in your home, but it's the same kind of pattern mm -hmm. in that you feel like you have to be the person to keep everybody happy and make keep from being to be safe. Everybody has to be content. Exactly. Well, with that, you could kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like the other people involved necessarily don't have to be codependent, but you could be putting, you could be seeing your relationships or your world through a codependent lens, right? Like sure, you could sure. be like, like everybody could be fine wherever you are. Right. But you're like, you're like people pleasing like to no end and like just like feeling anxious within yourself because of your codependent tendencies, right? Sure. And that will also, you'll be attracted to a person who needs exactly. help. Exactly. Yeah. Who is not as healthy as they should be mm -hmm. because they obviously need you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're kind of dependent on that, on that whole idea of being needed because mm -hmm. that's where your worth is. Exactly. Yes. Yes. The opposites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do we how do we break then from the cycle of even codependency with our current partners or even our parental relationships or even in friendships? I mean, close friends, we've been accused, like with our other good friend Emily, we've been accused <laughs> of being codependent with each other. Although I, I don't I think there's there's misgivings about what that really means. Like mm -hmm. even you say like someone to just say that I'm a codependent person. That's not necessarily what it is if it's just you by yourself. Right. 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 You could have codependent tendencies, tendencies in yes. which you are attracted or you mm -hmm. have relationships with people that are also codependent. But mm. why, first of all, like, why is that a bad thing? Like, oh, don't we need each other? And so sure. why is it a bad sure. thing? And why is it unhealthy? And then how do we break out of that if it is not a good thing? I think um, it, we have to see it all on a continuum. Okay. Okay. We we all we all need each other yeah. because you know humans exist in relationships. Mm -hmm. God made us for relationship with Him and for each other. Mm -hmm. It's we're not worth a whole lot. No man is an island. So we have to build relationships. That's kind of what we're created for. So on the healthy end of that. We have a, a clear idea of who we are and who the other people are, and we build relationships and we build bridges between us. Codependency sort of attaches like a uh, like slime. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You know, or, or one of those cling things that you stick to your window. I mean, they just sort of form <laughs> the um, they form the shape of that of, of the holes right. where that other if that. Does that mm -hmm. make a sense as a model of it? <clears throat> so that's the, the very unhealthy end of it. The healthy end is we're friends. You know, your weaknesses might be where I'm strong. And that's how marriages work. You know, it's, in the true sense of the word, complementary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and interdependent. It, yeah, interdependent. That's a good word. Because we depend on each other for, for the separate skills that are good. Mm -hmm. You know... 
you, you mentioned Derek's kind of an introvert, you're an extrovert, mm-hmm. and you like a lot of the same things, you, you connect very well, but you, um, you have different strengths. And that's that's a good thing. That's yeah. not not a bad thing at all. So yes, yeah, so in that sense, you're you're dependent on each other, and I guess you could say that's co-dependent, but it's not codependent. Yeah, yeah. Okay? It's not the clinical codependency no, no. where you're unhealthy. Right. Yeah. Because we we all do depend on each other, but both of you were healthy adults before you got in this relationship. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, that's more interdependent, I think. Exactly. Because you so have you're, different strengths and weaknesses, but it's kind of one like this. It's working together as instead of depending, depending, depending. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And better together than you were apart. Yes. Yeah. Better together, yes. But, uh-huh. So, and, and that I see that in you and Anthony. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a really good relationship where both people grow in it. Mm-hmm. I would... One person is suppressed. Yes. I would add mm-hmm. to that of like... I forgot like the specific question you asked law, but it's kind of like, I really believe that when we put our identity or our hope or our trust or like our ability in what we can get from someone else or, Mm -hmm. or, or if it's the other opposite end or what we can do for someone else, Mm -hmm. that's codependency. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. If we are feeling fulfilled or okay, right? Like if we're feeling like everything's okay because of this person, I'm mm-hmm. oh, I, I need this or I'm not exactly. going to be okay. Or I need to do, do, do this to make sure I'm okay. That I'm valuable. Yes. So right. I think those two opposite ends of the spectrum, those are both, I would say that's codependency mm-hmm. at like, at yeah. the root. That's exactly what it is. And there's yes. another word for it called idolatry yeah in a sense i mean that's what it is it's i'm worshiping my partner or i'm getting fulfillment because i'm in this relationship and i need to do everything i can to be worthy of this relationship so i'm gonna i'm gonna Mm -hmm. strive and work and do things so that Mm -hmm. they won't leave me Mm -hmm. and at the same time yeah yeah i'm also trying to make sure that they're happy all the time because i'm dependent on them being okay and happy and yeah it's like this exhausting vicious cycle it's yeah. kind of what you were taught as a child you my happiness depends depend. on mom and dad being happy yeah yeah you didn't really know how to be happy otherwise yeah or you weren't taught how to be happy in yourself mm-hmm mm-hmm mm. Yeah, I'm just like, my mind is going like, right now. Mm-hmm. So I want to add to it, but I can't think of the words. <laughs> I'm, back. I'm like, ah, yes, yeah, there's we'll something circle going. back around. Yeah. Now that I'm starting much pressure and responsibility on yourself and you shouldn't be doing that even and as an on adult. the other person exactly yes, and that's on a, the other person that's a, a good huge yeah. requirement right in a relationship and that's why it's so important to uh, like Well, that's another thing what I used to do with relationships is I would, 
I didn't yet know who I was. Mm-hmm. And I was still discovering who Melody is. So I would go to this boyfriend. Who am I? Yeah. <laughs> this one. Okay. I didn't really like that Melody. Okay, now you. Who am I? Yeah. Oh, no, that didn't work. Okay, I'll be like this, right? This and is how you define yourself. Exactly. Because um, I didn't yet have that that sense of identity and I didn't have that faith like that faith in who I am as as someone who is righteous and and yeah. not this broken person and that's mm-hmm. that's the trick right is like how do we live out our righteousness and our new identity in our flesh mm-hmm. and that's like again like a whole other battle but you know like yeah. that's yeah it's like you weren't given, you f- weren't feeling empowered to be yourself, and yourself is that broken person, yes. and you were afraid to be that broken person. Yes. Yeah. I me- I know we talked about this a couple of times, but there's an example in Runaway Bride. Oh. If, if any of you have ever seen it, Julia Roberts plays this woman who can't stay in a relationship because of this exact thing. Like, she doesn't know herself. And there's this great illustration where everybody she's ever dated, it's like, Yeah, Richard Gere is like interviewing all these men she's left and she's like, hey, what's your favorite eggs? Oh, it's like, oh, eggs Benedict, just like mine. Or omelet, just like me. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh whatever, whatever. Poached eggs, just like me. Uh And then at the very end of the movie, spoiler alert, (laughs) Julia Roberts is like, forget it. I'm going to find out what kind of eggs I want on my own. So she's like trying all the eggs and, and then she finally realizes like... I like these eggs. I hate these eggs. Mm-hmm. Like she's finally getting. That's a silly example. Yeah, but it's that's that, a great example. But mm-hmm. but it, it illustrates this thing of like I need to know who I am and be healthy and be okay with who I am, and then I can be in a healthy relationship because then in that way, I, I'm not going to be perfect, but I can still grow, mm-hmm. and I could see the other person for who they are, not what I would make them be, and that they could see me as I am, and I don't have to be afraid of who that is. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Bringing that back around full circle, if you, if you know, like, of this about yourself, that, like, for me, I know I have some anxiety issues, and I know that that makes me feel depressed, and blah, 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 blah. If you know that, bring it out into the light, like we said, because the right person Mm -hmm. is going to, is going to, you know... (laughs) They're not going to be shaken by that. They're going to be like, yeah, I'm my own person too. And it's fine. I love you just the same. And we know our imperfections, you know? Yeah. Um, and being able to work on that because, and I wanted to say another thing that kind of fed into like the whole childhood thing, right? This goes off of it, but the perfectionism thing. This is another one that people who have anxiety often deal with perfectionism sure. stuff, right? Absolutely. I'm sure you've heard that in counseling oh, a lot. Yeah. So, and it's, it's a lot of, for me, I felt again, so emotionally out of control Mm -hmm. in my household environment that I, from a very early age put, I kind of made my own little bubble of, I think I was telling you about this, Mm -hmm. but I would make, I didn't have much discipline and I didn't have much emotional stability and it was just weird. So I, I wanted to create that for myself. Mm-hmm. So I would make chore sheets <laughs> and cro- and check them off and bring them to my parents and go, look. And they're like, what? What are Weirdo? you doing? What are you doing? It's a Saturday. Go watch cartoons. Or like, I wake up in the summer at like six in the morning and, and, and be, and this is kind of like a little bit of OCD kind of things, but seven o'clock, you know. Brush teeth, 705, brush hair 100 times, and these very meticulous, like, 
and timed detail. out, timed yeah. out yeah. workouts for like a kit, like doing crunches, like very oh weird gosh. things. So we Again, will do things. Very exhausting. Yeah. So we'll do things like that though to feel in control, right? You see all exactly. the striving, exactly. striving, striving in the world, it's and where we're all OCD trying to feel perfect. From. Yeah. Wanting control. It's just trying to get control. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do that as a kid too. Like make lists and make myself do like, all right, on this day I'm going to do this. This day I'm going to do this. And like have these rigid lists for myself. Mm -hmm. And that still carries on a little bit into my adulthood. Hopefully I've, I've had a better handle on that. But I do think for you and I though, it also is genetic as well. Like I think we are ingrained to like, to like have that as well. Like I think there's like a J positive. Yeah. <laughs> that well, and that's okay. ENFJ. In, in a healthy sense, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. to be organized and know, you know, never mind. I never do lists, but... <laughs> Or if I might have the list and leave it somewhere and won't I won't pay attention to it. Yeah. Even if I make it. But the that's not a bad thing to have an organ to be organized and know what you're doing. Although most of us that or some of us who don't do that really rebel against it. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when people try to make us do it, we don't like it. Yeah. But so, yeah. but in an unhealthy way, the unhealthy version of this sure. would be like the OCD. Absolutely. Like I, I can't function unless I'm doing everything a certain rigid way. And you may have to check it off three times. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know. So that's, yeah. A, and it's about getting control of things that you don't have control of. Okay. Um, it's the same yes. mechanism that will, in, will sometimes cause an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that, like this whole idea of being mm-hmm. in control. Because as Christians, you know, we're mm-hmm. very, we're, Scripture teaches us that God is in control, control is an illusion. Mm-hmm. The, like how then do we live our lives? You know, when we are prone to these anxiety, these ways of anxiety where mm-hmm. we feel like we need to have control, but then there's God who's like, he's in control. Obviously, I, I believe like we need to be responsible. We need to be good stewards of our resources, etc. But just on a, just as we're what we're talking about, like how do we break out of that? Like I'm spinning out of control. Um, but how do we like put that back into the peace of God and like knowing and like being okay, like not driving ourselves crazy when I'm not getting up at seven a.m. every morning or. I'm breaking mm-hmm. Lent because I forgot to do this thing or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, exactly. whatever list we put on ourselves or whatever mm. rigid rules. Cause that's a chain. That's like that, that is a bondage that mm-hmm. we need to break. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well it's, it's like the, the first step of a 12 step program mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. I'm powerless over this. Mm-hmm. That's then, what you're talking about. The, uh, the insufficiency and then where God can become then becomes our yeah. sufficiency. Yeah. 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 In that situation, and that's that's actually why the twelve steps are so so spiritual in how they work, mm-hmm. is admitting our powerlessness over whatever it is we're trying to do, mm-hmm. because anything that we're doing in control <clears throat> is is an illusion. Mm-hmm. It's not real. We don't. We have very little control over a lot of things. Yeah, and of course, you know, we're not going to get into it, but it, it brings up the the discussion of predestination and free will and like, oh, yeah. are we free? Well, you know, I was just, I just uh, finished rereading A Wrinkle in Time because that movie mm. comes out in March. Mm-hmm. By the time you hear this episode, it would have already been out, but I reread the book and there was this great illustration of 
of predestination or like, you know, something that is predetermined versus our free will and how they can coexist. One of the characters brings up a sonnet, like it's 14 lines. It's like, it has this like specific rhyme pattern. So that, that's a rule. Like if you deviate from this form, it's not a sonnet. It's not a sonnet anymore. However, within the sonnet, as long as you follow the rules within the, the form of the sonnet, you could say whatever you want. It could be about a flower, it could be about love, it could be about death, it could be about anything. Mm-hmm. And then so within that you have freedom to write about whatever you want. However, it's this structured thing that the definition of that is what it is, right? Um, and I, I thought that was a really cool a way idea. to think about our free will. Because, you know, obviously I'm not theologian. I don't know how to explain these you know, like I think of things in layman's terms, but I thought that was really cool. Like God gives us the ability to write our own music, to write our own poetry, to, you know, we can say what we want. We can make our lives what it, what we want. However, we are still under God's grace and we are still in the structure of what God has made of this world. Mm-hmm. And there is the better way, of course, and that, you know, that leads to the narrow way of Jesus and the salvation that comes from it. Or you can... Once you deviate from what God has deemed the form of what we're supposed to live, that's no longer within his idea of what he wants mm-hmm. for humanity. And then, then we are lost. If we're not saved, we're lost. And we're, we're no longer the sonnet, as it were. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. we are changing the rules of what the sonnet is, then it's no longer a sonnet. Yeah, anyway... I don't know how, I forgot how we got <laughs> off on that. It was about whether we have control or Yes, not. control. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of, I th- I've noticed this in my journey right now, and I think a lot of people maybe get stuck here, but right, so you get to that point where you're like, okay, God, I surrender, I'm powerless. Like, mm-hmm. so it's then. It's the first step. Yes, yes, <laughs> but within that step. Sure. How do you then practically get your power through God, right? And those are things I think mm-hmm. could be talked about every day, all day. Just like, how do we practically do this every day? Because it's, again, you're living in your flesh. And like, how do I practically get strength and power from God? How, like after admitting that I'm weak and powerless, like mm-hmm. how do I? Then where do you go from there? Yeah. You know, because I a think a lot of people get stuck. They're like, God, I just feel helpless. Like, I get that I'm powerless, but like, what yeah. now? Do not can choose what's right. What if there's no end to this fight? Give me out, give me out, the People have anxiety over things that they they don't have power over. Mm-hmm. They never had power over, and they realize they don't. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have to continually say they belong to God and hold things in an open mm-hmm. hand. For instance, the 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 mother who is has such anxiety over the health of her children, for instance, and she knows they belong to God. They're not really ours yeah. at all, you know. But we feel like. 
it, we feel like sometimes that the anxiety and the worry is has some power in it. Mm-hmm. In that if we worry about it, mm-hmm. then it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite illustrations of that is in the Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. where the children are first going into the to Narnia and they meet the beavers. Mm-hmm. And the beavers are talking about Aslan. And the children don't know who he is mm-hmm. at that time. And, and they're talking, and the beavers are talking about him and you know all of his qualities. And then all of a sudden they find out he's a lion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the children says, he's a lion? Uh-huh. Is he safe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the beavers say, I think it's Mr. Beaver says, well, of course he's not safe. He's a lion. <laughs> but he's good. Mm. I tell you, he's the king. Mm. Yeah. He's in charge, and he's good. Mm-hmm. So we want safe sometimes. Yeah. But God wants something better for us. Yeah. He wants good. He's good. He wants to be in control because he will give us the good, mm-hmm. but it's not always safe. Mm-hmm. Or easy. Exactly. Well, easy It's safe. always the, yeah. yeah. Wow, that... <laughs> and that's a wrap. Oh my gosh, I got teary-eyed. Drop the that's, mic. That's, yeah, drop the mic, Mama D. <laughs> now that was really that was a really good illustration to end on. Um, thank you so much, both of you, for being on the show. I I love discussions like this. I love that this came out of just a organic discussion that we had over <laughs> breakfast. Yes. yes, and I'm like, oh, I should have been recording this whole time. <laughs> So I'm glad that we were a able to capture. Pretty good job of recreating. Yes, yes, <laughs> that was awesome. Do you know what? Where can people find you? What What can we do? Well, to look um, you up? I am a therapist at a center in Charleston, West Virginia, way far away from here. <laughs> uh, which is it's called the Canal Pastoral Counseling Center. We also go by KPCC. You can find us online at kpcc.com. There's also a little bio of me and the other therapists that are there. And um, we are in the process of setting up a a little link where we put up our favorite things to send to to send our clients to and great um, little things there. So you can find me there. And can people do remote um, Um, sessions? Possibly. We have uh, we do have a person on our staff that does remote does distance counseling okay it just requires some certifications that i don't have yet but i want to get so um so yes that's a possibility so it's kpcc.com yes it stands for kanawa pastoral counseling center great and we are talking with dina sams my mama-in-law and melody almost laurel (laughs) (laughs) melody mahalski uh who was my bridesmaid one of my besties and i'm one of her bridesmaids Anyway, um, so thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fishers of Men. In the meantime, keep swimming. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been another episode of Fishers of Men. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men. Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Laura Samir Sams. I'm Mary Asher Burton. Until next time, keep swimming.